0: dr who flashcast i'm jason snell with you once again taking you through another episode of dr who this the last standalone episode before the big two-part finale of season 10 of dr who is the eaters of light by rona monroe and here to talk about it with me is david J. lore hello hello there i i can understand you Yes. Yeah, You're so
1: speaking Latin.
0: That's the magic of the TARDIS. I, I did love that Bill uh, figured that one out on her own because we've had uh, other companions be told about it. It's a little bit like the bigger on the inside thing. And she yeah. figures it out to the point where she goes and parrots it back to the doctor and says it's a sort of telepathic field. And he just gives her a smile like, good, you did it. Good job. Yeah.
1: You're smart. I, I, I've liked the whole thread through the year of, of um, she clearly understands science fiction. Yep and and that's just that's been a lovely touch
0: and and uh the, it's that teacher-student relationship that they have where you know she does something like that and then he's uh, he's very approving of her it's like yep you got it like like that's that's i taught you well you figured this out you're you're a smart student you're uh you're making the right assumptions making the right decisions reasoning it out i enjoyed um i've enjoyed that relationship the whole year and in the those, those yeah. little bits i really enjoyed it So, Rona Monroe is a writer of plays and radio plays, and occasionally of movies and TV shows. Hey! Most notably, she wrote the last episode of the classic series of Doctor Who, Survival. And so, this makes her the first uh, writer for both the old and new Doctor Who series, which is an interesting trivia note. Um, As somebody who writes plays, I'm curious if you got this vibe, because I got this vibe from it, which is uh, this there were there were a few points in here in a good way where I felt like this is somebody who's very good at dialogue. This is a playwright who's good at dialogue because there were a couple of scenes in here that I, I actually need to go back and watch with the captions turned on because yes. I missed stuff and because it was so fast and so good. Like there were a couple scenes right in the middle of this back to back where I I just thought well this is a very well written uh, well and the dialogue especially episode did did it did that strike you? the the sort of dialogue and the the fact that it it, it reminded me of maybe even
1: uh, a, a skilled playwright behind the scenes oh absolutely absolutely i i usually watch with the the captions on anyway just in case um i mean we've just left them on mostly since the children were babies so it's like you know hey i picked up a line i didn't notice when i was listening uh and so i i try not to look at them usually when I'm watching, just because I don't want to, th- they sometimes come a little bit ahead of when they're delivered. So I don't want to spoil a joke or, you know, ruin the timing of something. Uh, but occasionally if, if I want to see what they're saying, I'll look down and yeah, there, there were some just delightful, uh, stretches of dialogue through this and dialogue that, uh, does a very good job of exposition and trusting the audience to get it and uh, paying it back later too and saying, Oh, you were paying attention. Good for you. Um, good but use then of, of course you've got some accents.
0: Good use of, well, that's true. There's a lot of Scottish <laughs> accents in this. The good, good use of Peter Capaldi. Um, and, and yeah. we've seen it before in his role as the doctor. He, there's a, there's a good, uh, there's a good bit where he's where with the telepathic field thing, where he starts to talk about how, you know, you're all you all sound like children to each other. Um, that I really liked, which also has a nice joke in it, which is Nardole says, he says there are exceptions and Nardole says, "Thank you very much." And he goes, "Not you." <laughs> oh, I mean, he looks he looks offended. But there's there's yeah, there's the the conversation that Bill has with the uh, Roman soldiers in the cave. Is really great, too. There are a couple really yes. great scenes in there, but where they're talking about um, when she she says that she she's not interested in the soldier because she likes girls and they chastise her for being so, having such a narrow viewpoint so restrictive. Yeah, that, that's so restrictive. That 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 was good, but they they have she has a conversation with them while the doctors having the conversations with the Picts. And those are really good conversations about what's going on and about the the you know the the monster but also the the invaders and and their response to being invaded or being the invader. That that's all just really really rich.
1: Yeah, it's it is a beautifully written Beautifully written across the board.
0: I love how it looks. Um, The episode does take advantage of... Uh, some very pretty scenery in terms of getting the you know the kind of hills and valleys and f- making it feel very remote i assume that there are places relatively close to uh close to cardiff that can double you know Wales can double for scotland if if it needs hey hey, hey whoa i know it's wild but they, they, you gotta <laughs> you gotta do it but uh, so you've got you've got uh uh, this Aberdeen in the first century or whatever, where there's nothing there. And, uh, and, uh, I, I guess I should say before we even get there, we have, uh, Scotland present day with kids on a hill and, uh, there's a crow saying doctor and a, uh, carve of carving of a Tardis in a rock. And that's, hmm. and that's how we start. And, uh, and I like that that's just a little bit of a frame, a framing sequence, and it's not like, and that girl went back in time, or, and it turned out that rock was left there by the doctor. It's not quite that. It was just a nice kind of, here's a story yeah. about what happened a long time ago in this
1: place. Well, and this is one where the captions helped out, uh, because it, they they did it very subtly. I mean, you could hear the music, but you did actually hear... I'll put your story in the stones mm. that is blatantly out there in the captions in the, in the teaser. Well, oh, that's good. And so when that comes back at the end and I was waiting for that, you know, once I realized, Oh, they're playing music. Ah, that's going to come back. So we'll see oh. where that comes back. Very
0: nice. Talking crows. Turns
1: out crows have things to say. They're just, who knew the, yeah.
0: the, the uh, well, there's the, the main, uh, the main character uh, among the Picts, is car i want to say her name is
1: yes spelled k-a-r apparently
0: k-a-r um and so we get the we get the bit at the end where um that's one of the things that crows say car car Hmm. which is just it's you know i really like this episode i have to say i'm not sure how how i feel about it's not perfect. It's got some things that I might, uh, that, that I found a little confusing or I wish were clearer. But um, one of the things that it does that I think I am charmed by in Doctor Who, maybe more than some people are, is the embracing of um, this sort of. Uh, It goes back to the first Stephen Moffat season, the idea of the fairy tales and legends and and tales from history of of legendary characters and how they – it's not quite fantasy – it's just more like uh, fable almost fable-like, and the the the, yeah. the talking crows are fable like. it's like and and there's an explanation. he's like, well, of course, they talk. They just don't have anything to say to you right now and and that's all it is. They're not magic crows, they're not alien crows. they're crows, but you just didn't know something about them, which is that they say you, stuff
1: you you stopped having interesting conversations with them, so they're sulking, yeah. Yeah, they're
0: sulking. Although it turns out they're not sulking, they're saying they're they're honoring uh, honoring car or uh, yeah. or occasionally the doctor. Anyway, I like that. I like that tone of it. That it's just sort of like these completely ridiculous things that are tossed in uh, with explanations that you really. It's the doctor, right? So you have to accept that you know right. there are things in the right. world that you just don't understand, silly human. Um, <laughs> and, and they give you that kind of feeling of a of a fairy tale or a legend, and I I, I enjoy that with the crows. That was a good running bit with the crows.
1: Um, and I mean, yeah. I, I have to say, I was, I've was, i been looking forward to being on the Flashcast for a while. And, you know, a, an episode partly set in the Vatican, I was like, hey, hey, that's the one I should do. Yeah. But I'm really glad I'm, I'm on this one because I've done a lot of research on Cairns and, and all of that stuff. Because my mother, when she was alive, she was working on a science fiction epic that I don't know. Maybe I'll finish it someday. She left it to me. She's like, here, you do it. Um, we, that involved using Cairns as gateways to ah. other worlds and other dimensions, totally different story. But that is, I mean, that's a legit thing. That's, you know, a, a certain belief. And so it was really interesting. I was sitting there watching it going, she would have loved this and she would have been screaming at the TV the whole time. Yeah. Um, so it was it was delightful, and it was delightful to see it to see them used that way and to say no it 's not some weird legend it is it is a portal to a dimension yep I do like that that's
0: a- always a good uh trope in Doctor Who or science fiction in general, which is the legend says that it's this thing but oh those those primitive peoples didn't understand and then in doctor who especially it's like oh no it was that thing it was a monster right. it was it was a portal to another dimension it, you know it, it, it is that thing that, that you should have taken them more seriously that was not uh, a fantasy of theirs it, it actually is a is a thing and the doctor will explain it to you um, well, I guess I should walk through at least what happens in the story, and you know, feel free to stop me at any point by things that that uh, that struck you. There's there's a lot of, of, of uh, jokey dialogue. Some of it uh, works really well. Nardole, I think, is sort of at his height as being a um, a comedy figure, the comic relief in the season. He hasn't always been, but in this episode, that is his job, and it 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 varies like the double act at the top where the doctors talking about that he's spent time with roman legions and he was a vestal virgin second class um I enjoyed that as a toss off line. I really didn't need the Nardole saying second class. <laughs> yes yeah, second class. Second class? He asks again. Yes, yeah, so well it was complicated. I'll tell you later. It's like that 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 was one of those moments where the, I think I liked Nardole the least cuz I felt like that was one of those Did you get my joke? Here it is again. Here it is right. again. But later right. like the popcorn gag with Nardole. I love I could see it coming oh, a mile great. away, but I loved yeah. it. It's like I got some popcorn here and I'm like, "Oh, wait for it," right? And then it leads to the doctor saying hey how about you jump out of your skins and allow us to escape in all the confusion and he tosses the popcorn in i'm like ah
1: yes well, very- and he to- he tossed it even before that yeah but which, yeah that's and, right and i but i was like
0: Oh yeah. Cuz it's like a it's like a bomb taped under a chair, right? The popcorn right. is in the is in the fire. You know that it's going to pop. It's just a question <laughs> of how he gets set up and 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 he does it. And, I, and so that was like a really good Nardole moment. I love the Nardole moment where when the doctor comes out of the portal, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um he's he, you start to hear what Nardole's saying as the doctor comes out of the cave, and what Nardole is telling is what really happened to the Marie Celeste, which is that there are aliens who Uh, communicate with other civilizations by by eating them Mm -hmm. and the 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 aliens had uh had eaten all the people and one of the lifeboats but sadly choked on the lifeboat and then (laughs) and then later he says and i'll tell you what happened to the lusitania later and I like that Nardole <laughs> just sits around telling stories of unsolved mysteries from the future. But again, that was a good use of Nardole. So, I, oh, you know, yeah. him wandering around Scotland in a bathrobe and pajamas was funny. Um, later, he's wearing something else that led me to write down what he I guess he's blending in now. Uh, with well, he's, the, he's got he, that face paint on and he's got he's the,
1: ingratiating the, himself to them. Yeah, because he's and, been left he's alone. Becoming, he's becoming involved with them. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm ingratiating myself. I don't. I don't like charm. Yeah, yeah. We, we we figured that we, out. We got we got that. So anyway,
0: on, that. on the balance, I really liked how Nardole was used in this episode because I think he was mostly used effectively. I didn't like the Vestal Virgin thing because I, th- I thought it went on too long. But I was uh, I really enjoyed uh, the rest of Nardole, especially the fact that he's just got he's got his bath his orange bathrobe and he's uh, carrying a bag of popcorn around Scotland in the first <laughs> century. It's hilarious.
1: Well, and there, the, the, there are a lot of little meta touches like that. I, I love the idea of him in the bathroom and, and his popcorn in the middle of an adventure. And then later on, I mean, not to jump ahead, but, uh, you know, what is she doing reviewing us now? Reviewing our adventures? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just lovely little touches like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... Um the story itself, they they decide, and this is this is the a, a bit like how last week there's literally a moment where um, the TARDIS disappears in order for the plot to continue. The TARDIS must vanish. There's no never re- any reason given. It just happens. Oh, um, Mark the yeah in a story that i i I generally (laughs) thought was fine but it's pretty good yeah that was a that was a we have to break the premise of the show a little bit in order for there not to be a million plot holes in this one the moment that i had which i i got past but like okay you're in the first century the doctor and Bill have a, a disagreement because she's like, "There's totally Romans here," and his he's saying, "No, they're dead, um, or they or they aren't here. Forget about it." And she's like, "I'm gonna go find him down by the river," and he's like, "Fine then, go." And so Bill, all by herself alone, in the first century, unarmed, essentially, (laughs) just is going to walk through a field in Scotland all the way down, and a forest all the way down to a river, while the Doctor and Nardole do whatever. And I had that moment of, first I had the Dungeons and Dragons feeling, which is you never split the party. (laughs) That's Um, right. Doctor Who usually actually makes an effort to separate its characters, but here they just go willingly separate. It's like, I don't think, do, do they not have... Like, they can't have a communication method, because that would break the story later. They can't. So instead, it's just like, nope, go off on your own. Uh, You're on. We'll take this bet and see who wins. And I just, I can't believe that the doctor would, or Nardole, would let Bill walk off somewhere else in the middle of the first century in Scotland without any way to reach her and without keeping an eye on her. But the story requires it. So they just have us go with it. And I almost, I don't know. It, would it be better if they'd spent two or three minutes on the plot to get them separated, or would it be better for them to just do it? The problem was that my brain is just like, why are you letting her go? This makes no sense. Don't you know Brand. you're in a TV
1: Brand. show? She's going to get in trouble. They, they could have cut out, you know, a minute of the whole Vestal Virgins thing, at least. Um, <laughs> you know, there there was there was fat to cut. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I went with it. I didn't really question it because they I mean, they did an OK job selling it as, oh, well, we've got this disagreement and it's jovial and there's nobody here. It's fine. Um But, yeah, it's it's. As soon as it's like, well, where is she? Well, we why can't do- find her? Why doesn't Nardole well, go with her?
0: Well, because we have scenes that we want Nardole to be in with the Doctor. Well, that's, that's right. Not, that's not a good reason.
1: <laughs> and and it's like, if it, I can see going off without some way to communicate, but without some way of tracking, right? That's a little odd, right? Which again, but then that would shorten the plot. She again.
0: could she could have had her track. She could have had her radio, walkie-talkie, cell phone knocked out of her uh in the scuffle in in falling into the pit in the scuffle with the monster there are ways that they could have done it instead it's just sure. sort of like we make no attempt to keep in touch with bill she's just going to go off on her own and you know again i got over it because i did like this episode but that was my one plot moment where i thought yes they have to break some solutions to the story in order for the story to continue and i wish they had maybe gone in another way um, I, I generally appreciate Doctor Who not going through what sometimes is the most boring thing in classic Doctor Who, like the psychic paper being the best example, where in old Doctor Who, they would get captured and escape and captured and escaped and interrogated. And it was so boring most of the time. And with a psychic paper, when Russell Davis invested, invented that, um, I think he did, although I don't know, maybe it was Stephen Moffat in his story in the first season. But the idea being like, Here's my ID let's continue with the story like it's not even i I generally appreciate it it's just here it stopped me because i felt like really unsafe to be sending bill off on her own but you know maybe you've got to let your student fail it's just that when when she gets in trouble and she's like oh no how am i gonna get out of here i'm in first century scotland and there's a monster outside i thought wouldn't it be nice if the doctor won't the doctor feel bad when he has bill go down to the river and she ends up just being killed along the way right you probably don't want that to happen
1: Right. Well, and that's, it's, it's nice that the new doctor who does not have to fill two and a half to three hours with every story. So, you know, okay, you get, you get rid of a lot of that repetition. Um, but yeah, I had not known that she had been a writer on the original and that makes a lot of sense. This, that, that element certainly felt very old school who, and not in, not in my favorite way.
0: Uh, yeah yeah i agree
1: but then the, then the plot moves but but the rest of it is great yeah. i i really enjoyed it I, That is, that is a minor knock you yeah. know and and not as big of a problem in a 45 minute show as in a three-hour show where they do it three or four times
0: mm. uh so once once the plot requires that we split up we do get this two two different uh uh paths we get uh we get Bill, who falls in a hole and and ends up meeting up with the, the Roman legions. Um, the doctor, meanwhile, meets the Picts, but he also finds the the, the decimated uh, corpses of the, or not decimated, because then ninety percent of them would be alive. The totally <laughs> wiped out corpses of the Roman legion, uh, but the, but it is by an, some sort of alien thing where the again science here it's like. I'm sure we could science it up if we wanted to but I'm okay that the story doesn't the light got sucked out of them. We all have right. we all get our right. energy from the sun. I'm going to just go with it. It's like something it it pulled the energy right out of them um and they all died and and so now we know that there's an alien here that's what happened to the missing roman legion the ninth legion and uh and so that's going on while bill is getting to discover that there are a few deserters basically from the legion who ran away and they're the only ones who survived um the the attack by this monster who does attack and kill bill's first friend among the legion but uh she is able to kind of like crawl in a hole and uh end up in a cave and the tentacles only only touch her a little bit and slightly wound her and she's able to escape with the and be with the other romans in the cave with the monster outside so so a cave
1: under siege
0: it is cave under siege a little bit. Although it's like a cave system, she kind of goes like maybe like through the roots of a tree into a cave. I I I the geography I'm not entirely 100% on, but it's fine like suffice it to say they have a hiding place and that's where they were going and she gets to hide there. But now the monster knows that they're there. Um and meanwhile the doctor is um has met up with the Picts and has met this girl who's called the gatekeeper. He says, "Where are all the grown-ups?" and the answer is the Romans basically killed all the grown-ups this is all that's left and uh this is the moment where we get the popcorn um the doctor has a line this is not my first rodeo which i really liked (laughs) um and and they do get back together at this at this point um in the middle of the story after we get some nice dialogue with uh with bill and the romans and with the doctor and the picts Um, in the end they try to escape and they basically escape up to where the picts are which is awfully convenient but i didn't care and Hmm. and uh because what it does is it gets these two groups together um right Uh, like like children so that that all's going on forget what the sequence is but but the uh, i guess before they join back up the doctor does figure out um they escape with the popcorn enough to go to the portal and he figures out what's going on with the portal which is that it is an interdimensional temporal rift of course it is of course it is mm-hmm. and there are there are a- aliens from a different dimension who eat light and they're going to come into our light-filled universe and eat it all up basically and uh, the doctor discovers there's a time disparity between what's in the cave and what's outside the cave and that's why Nardole is hanging out and getting his face painted for a couple of days and uh, and this is all I, I, I enjoyed this all I mean it, it's all the, me- the mechanisms of the plot but I found it kind of charming because it's the 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 truth behind the legend and meanwhile you know nardole is getting to know the 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 picts on the outside while this is all going on it's just kind of fun and also interesting as we learn like what are the like what what is the uh problem specifically the problem that needs to be solved in terms of stopping the monster
1: right and it's very fleet of foot in sort of getting us through it without belaboring it's it's very uh simply laid out.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we get I like. we get some fun dialogue and then, but if you strip out the dialogue, you do, you know, and I'm sure you see this, there's the there's a scene where they're talking where he's getting information about the pics and then they get to run away because of the popcorn. And then they go to the cave and they get to learn a little bit more or the portal and they learn a little bit more about the fact that it's a rift and all of that. And then the picks catch up with them, right? So they can still right. have that conversation and that allows them to have the scene where they talk about um, and this is the good Peter Capaldi scene. Um, these are the back- to- back great scenes actually. This is the Peter Capaldi scene is if you want to win a war, remember it's not about you, take it from me, which is a great line. Yes, love that yes. so much. And meanwhile, Bill is trying to get the Romans to get out of the hole in the ground. and and she has a couple fantastic lines that not only is does she say to them, um, being scared is fine, but it's not a plan. Right. which i thought was great but she says look i can't promise if we do this i can't promise you won't all die but i can promise you won't all die in a hole in the ground and i love that too like we need to do this and it's not going to be safe but we're all gonna we're all gonna die in in the hole in the ground otherwise and those those happen like simultaneously these two scenes are are, are going oh, intercut are, yeah yeah if, if i recall so yeah. so good this is the and this is the for me this is the stuff I really love is that we've gotten to this point and then the two stories come back together but but that um thing we know from Doctor Who which is the TARDIS translates everything which is why everybody in space speaks English as Bill says (laughs) and and it's been called up earlier where she talks about how she she realizes she's not speaking Latin and he's not speaking English now Ronan Monroe kind of brings down the hammer and says, "Ah." but now we've got the Romans and the Picts and they can understand each other and they both, right. and they like, they don't just understand each other's language. They understand each other. And that's, that's a, a really nice moment where, and that's the, you know, you all sound like children.
1: And that, I mean, that's the core of the episode. That's, that's what they wanted to tell. Yeah. And, uh, I can, I can do with everything else just for that. That was so nicely done.
0: Yeah, I really like the, you know, the, and the doctor lays it out there that's like, you, you, you know, she, because, because they let, the story is that the reason this is a worse situation that's ever been before is they let the monster out. Normally somebody stands in the portal and, um, and beats the monster back, and then they've got like 70 years before they have to do that again. So once, every couple generations a gatekeeper has to, I'm unclear on whether sacrifice themselves or... Right. Or, um, because that part of the story is a little bit unclear, I think. Um, Sacrifice themselves, or at least, like, stand in the doorway enough to, you know, do this one task, and then it's okay for another 70 years. But in this case, the Romans were there killing everybody, and so they made what I think is not enough they get yelled at by the doctor not an unreasonable decision which is well what if we let the monster out it'll kill all those romans and then maybe the romans will harm it enough that you know but it'll do damage first and the problem is that it kills all the romans and it's still alive so it's going to kill everybody else so they have to stop it but the doctor uses that and says you killed all of the legion and they came and killed everything you love so you guys need to talk
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and, and to say, you know, you, uh, you let the monster out to protect your little, tiny little hill, and now it's going to destroy everything in your universe.
0: Yeah, it's going to eat the sun, which
1: and Julian turned to me, and he was like, so I can go into space,
0: I guess? And I said, I don't know. Hmm? I said, e- either, yeah, they can absorb all the sunlight, and they become super powerful, and they take over the whole universe, and they eat the sun, or the doctor is explaining to very primitive people— about how a scary light monster works. <laughs> right? Like, let's just say I, I it eats it the that. sun and the stars, okay? We'll just we'll just say that. Because they're not yeah, going to go, doesn't... how can it survive in the vacuum of space? It's like, they're not going to say that. It's just like, it will eat the sun. It's a monster that eats the sun. Oh, no, we got to stop it. All right.
1: Right. Yeah, he, he doesn't belabor the point of, you know, hey, I'm an alien from another world, no. and here's this history, and I t- travel. Yeah, it's, it's just, it will eat the sun.
0: Yeah, and that's good enough. Like, g- good enough for them to all get on board. And, you know, that's one of the, often charming things about doctor who is that the message is um you need to stop fighting because you're all the same and because there are bigger problems in the world than whatever is is dividing you and that goes for lots of stories it's actually one of the things i like about game of thrones is that i think uh, the underlying Hmm. theme which people will finally some people will finally realize as the story comes to an end the underlying theme of the whole thing is quit your squabbling because something is trying to kill us, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and that's that's basically what's happening here. And so they, you know, so they do they they uh, they reunite. There's uh, or they unite. There's some music. It Nardole
1: has another fantastic line, which is this is worse than jazz. <laughs> well, they realize it it hon- homes in on sound. Yes, so they use the music to attract it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's worse than jazz, though,
1: and it is worse Nardole. than jazz.
0: Um, And the crow tells Nardole, monster, which I also liked. (laughs) Crows have things to say.
1: Monster. Um,
0: And that gets us to the climax, which is that again my lack of clarity on what's going on here because I I thought basically the gatekeeper would step into the gate and stop the monster once they drive the monster back they've got Uh. 60 or 70 years right that's the way it's worked up to now and they should be able to do that or the gatekeeper can sacrifice herself and they'll have another 70 years one of those I think is how it was meant to be but clearly what the doctor wants to do is say we need to close this up once and for all I don't want this around and he is going to just go in and fight the monsters for his entire entire lifespan, which will be long enough with the time dilation to be the entirety of, uh, of, of the history of the earth. And instead, he, in a, a very nice moment that's kind of obvious that it's coming, but it's a very nice moment, uh, the, the girl, Carr, agrees that she's going to do it and it's her job and not his, which is true. She's got her little television aerial, as he calls it, that's her little hmm. weapon, uh, but that the Romans all say, we'll do it too. We're gonna we're gonna fight with her, which is a again. I'm not sure this all happened very fast. Yes, <laughs> this connection between them, but I but it's sweet. It is a love conquers all or an everybody lives kind of moment. But they're also thousands of miles from home. Everybody else is dead. They feel that they don't deserve to live in some ways because they're cowards who fled the scene of battle and they, and they were complicit in the. mostly genocide of these people. I I can see I can gin up a bunch of reasons why they're like, you know what, this is the right thing for us to do. We're trained to fight. Let's finally we didn't fight the last time. Let's fight these things this time.
1: Right. Um, And this is this is noble as opposed to what we were doing.
0: Yeah, exactly right. right. So I, I, I don't know how much of that's actually in the script, but it, it's at the very least, it's implied. <laughs> and I, I definitely took that away, that they've got reasons. Like, we don't right. necessarily—it right. might have been nice to, to get more of them, but I don't know what how that would have worked short of one of them saying, you know, this is how—let these. Let me tell you what my feelings are right now, which wasn't going to happen, so— They just, they just do it. But that means that doctor is kind of barred and they all rush in to save the world basically, and make sure that this, uh, that those monsters never come through this portal. Um, and they all slowly kind of go into the, into the time dilation portal never to be seen again. And that's, uh, that's the end of that part of the story. They can go back to the, they go back to the TARDIS and they can still hear the music, which the little girl also hears in the, in the present. And, uh, and and we do ultimately see the little girl hearing the music around the stones. And in addition to a TARDIS, there are Romans attacking a uh, a monster carved into the right. stone. And you can right. hear the music. Well, and that's that story.
1: Because just before they go in the portal, Carr's brother says, I will put your story in the stones. In the stones, yeah. And and there's, there's the payoff to the teaser. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I forgot about the other problem I had with the plot. Which and it's again, it's one of those things you can let it go because it works. Uh, but they they said the the portal is open only as long as there is sunlight pointing at it. And but it's inside the cairn. And all I could think was, well, you just build a bl- a, a thing to block the sunlight, then it doesn't open. Yeah. Is it is it just me?
0: I. I, think I mean I,
1: I get why they don't do that i think that's not as poetic but i didn't understand
0: it which is why i am yeah i i, I kind of want to say that it's probably explained in dialogue that i didn't understand or that came too fast although <laughs> it's possible that it's explained in something that got cut out but i just right. kind of went with it like there's got to be a reason why exactly. the mechanism works where it does where the light comes in in a certain way and that is for, that is uh uh, that it only—I think mean, maybe it's their their way of controlling when the portal opens, so they know when it's going to open. But even then, it only opens once every seven yeah. years. But it opens in the morning, so they know that that's the time to go. You know, set your alarm for seventy years in the morning, and 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 go. And, but and yeah, see, it's that same thought—that
1: is—that is all legit with you know ancient calendars and Cairns and all that. Yeah, that isn't anywhere in the dialogue. Yeah, that, but it makes sense when you when you put it that way. It makes a lot yeah, of sense. I think.
0: Like I said, they they make some mentions of it, but I, I like you, didn't get the logic of it. And and right. so I kind of want right. to give it, as an American watching an English show, especially, a British show, it is very British, made in Wales, <laughs> it's got English actors, it's got Scott, Scottish accents, at least in this episode. Um, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe there was some fast dialogue that kind of like, explained this away, and I didn't understand all of it, but... I came out the same way that you did, which is I'm not quite I'm sure I understand like how the beam of light and the whole thing in the in the thing works. But you know, I got the point. Yeah.
1: Even yeah. if it didn't and really it explain works, it to me. It works poetically. So I,
0: I agree. And I'm not one of those viewers who really gets upset if all the uh, boring things that, that connect point A to point B aren't spelled out because right. they're boring and I don't need them to be spelled out necessarily. <laughs> um, I, I think, in fact, maybe what troubles me the most is that there's a little bit of precision about it. Well, the light comes in and yet that's all I got out of it. So I was like, well... If you're going to do that, I mean, I guess the, I get they're going with sort of like a Stonehenge thing and other kind of ancient things. And the position of the sun is important. But if you're going to get into that level of detail, you maybe should go all the way to explain what's going on here. And I didn't get right. that explanation. Maybe it's in there and I missed it. I will watch it again, maybe with captions this time. Um, so the other thing for us to talk about is Missy.
1: Yeah. Once they get back to the TARDIS.
0: There's a whole suddenly... little five minute Missy play but it's a really short episode too which i thought was funny coming from somebody who wrote a a, a classic doctor who episode when they had i mean survival was three 25 minute episodes so it's about 75 but this wow. is like a 42 minute episode and the last mm-hmm. three or four minutes are about missy so um i i i'm just gonna say it i love this storyline the idea mm-hmm. i said this last week too when we were talking about in the week before the idea That you're taking, you know, not there's no trust there with the doctor, which is makes her upset potentially. Um, but really asking the question, what if the master decided to try to be a better person? (laughs) Yeah, and that how that would be really hard, and that also there would be this thing about like just because, and this was dealt with, I think, last week, just because they're trying to be good doesn't mean they're going to be up to the doctor's standards and that's a really interesting conflict between them right Right. And now you throw in this week. You throw in the lack of trust. Like the, the doctor says, the trouble with hope it's hard to resist. As he's like, I don't know hmm. if I really actually trust that that you're that this is real and that we're friends again. That's the much worse alternative to the fact that this is a devious plan by Missy. The worst alternative in the doctor's mind is that this is actually real, which is fascinating, right? But hmm. while this trust breach is is still happening and trying to be repaired this episode kind of makes it a breach of trust I mean they're really building walls now between the doctor and Bill and Nardole where Bill and Nardole are like whoa 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 why is she here especially Nardole and the doctor's like I got my ways I got my plans I'm gonna let her I'm gonna And, and it's like Nardole's really worried that he's kind of getting taken in by her or that he's got too soft a spot. And, and Nardole seems to not have that, but I'm fascinated by that dynamic too, that they're, they're kind of pushing, especially Nardole, but really Nardole and Bill are both like, what is she doing here? And the doctor is on the other side. So there's some separation, like doctor and Missy on one side, Nardole and Bill on the other.
1: And I'm fascinated with the way they're setting this up because we know he's leaving the role. Yeah. So we know how the doctor leaves being the doctor And, you know, having having Missy and possibly the master uh, involved in that, uh, you kind of wonder, is is she good? Is she really trying to be good or is is this a plan or is something tragic going to happen? Right. Right. Trying to be good and then killing him anyway. Who knows? Right, and um, I mean, we'll find out soon. Yeah, we but... will.
0: We will find out soon. Yeah, and there's enough stuff loaded. In, I mean, the, the next time trailer showed some of it. There's enough stuff loaded in the next two episodes that um, it's very hard to tell whether Missy and the Master are the core problem to be solved, or whether that's just the topping <laughs> on a different problem. With right. the with the Mondasi and Cybermen, and plus there's this spaceship that's got different, uh, you know, that's by a black hole, so different. It's parts of it are running at different time frames, uh, which is that'll be an interesting. I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what Stephen Moffat does with that concept. But um, yeah, I just I enjoy that no matter what happens, because the master is the master. Um, And presumably will remain at that status quo forever. But I like that the story this season is taking seriously the idea of what if the master tried to be good. And would that be good enough for the doctor? Because the doctor is pretty exacting about what kind of good he is. And that can be a problem for companions, and it's a very much a problem for the master. So even if Missy really, really wants to change, what happens if she doesn't live up to his expectations? Is that good enough for him or not good enough for him? And what's her response if, despite her best efforts, she fails in the doctor's eyes? Right. That's I, I and, just that's fascinating, and 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 regardless of what happens to the storyline up to this point, it's being taken dead seriously. We haven't gotten winks. I would argue that right. it's actually a plot. Like nothing is suggesting that that she's
1: taking him for a ride here. Right. I'm. I either it's a fantastic job of misdirection, or they're really going there. And I kind of like the idea that they're really going there, mm-hmm. and. The, the fact that, I mean, we knew this before the season. We knew this from the the teaser, uh, John Sim is back. Right. So we have a two master story basically. Um, so we don't even have to have her being evil or doing anything. Right. It fact, can
0: be all him. In fact, he could be, um, she could be disgusted by who she used to be. Right. He could be disgusted by who he's going to become. Um, I will say talking about the master for a moment, um, So the Master was brought back to Doctor Who fairly late in the game, the new Doctor Who. It was one of the last—I mean, the Time Lords was sort of the last thing, but the Master was one of the last things that Russell T. Davis dusted off. Yes. And I think for good reason. Because having watched all those classic Doctor Who episodes, the Master is a mustache twirling villain, like the Master in yes. classic Doctor Who. The Roger Delgado, not quite as much as as Anthony Ainley, who is an over the top mustache beard tw- twirling oh. villain, uh, who never, who who always is defeated at the end of the episode, yet never dies and comes back to do evil later. Like his motivation is to be an evildoer and, an, and a Moriarty for the Doctor, <laughs> and I would argue. People, Doctor Who fans can get angry at me for saying this, but I would argue the doc, the Master, as conceived of in the old series, doesn't work in modern drama. Doesn't work because it's just too, it's too broad a character. It is a pantomime villain. It is a it is a yeah. snidely whiplash kind of villain. So
1: I agree. W- and, so, what and, do you and do, and do? The tone, <laughs> the tone of the new series cannot sustain that. I, I don't think and, so. And you know, I, I, and I can see that in uh, Sherlock too. You know, they try for that, and I don't think. As much as I love Andrew Scott, I don't think that Moriarty works there either, um, because everything else is so much more interesting. So and so, yeah. What do you do? So what Russell T Davis
0: did is a couple of things that I think are really interesting, and it is I think the tenth anniversary of uh, of uh, Utopia was earlier this week. So we're we're it's about ten years ago that the Master came back. And right. the first thing he did was he had Derek Jacobi come back and say, or, or, or appear as Professor Yana. He turns into the master via the fob watch. It's great. It's a great turn. It's a great reveal. I love that episode. It's, it is go back and revisit, uh, Utopia if you haven't, because it is all a misdirect. Oh, like, it's fantastic. The first, the first three quarters of it is like bog standard doctor who episode because it just wants you to think that you're not seeing what you're seeing when the entire the entire point is just professor yana but uh he writes this whole other future kind assault on it's a base under assault base under siege again um it's brilliant it's it's a really nice piece of writing to set up uh, a two-parter that i don't particularly love but so so his first take of the master is um immediately is well first off david tennant's the last of the time lords at this point so now he's not so that's the first thing is he's a time lord that's who the master is that's the most important thing about the master is he's one of the doctor's own people and the way we meet professor yana and he's got chantho um he's the doctor he's an alternate doctor right he's a doctor with a companion it is it is the dynamic we expected all along the second cut in the next two episodes with john sim is that he's crazy and specifically that he's been driven crazy by the sound of drums ever since he was a little boy, which is hmm. which is Russell Davis saying the master's not evil. He's he's been driven mad, and then in the end of time, what we what we discover is he's being driven mad by the Time Lords uh, because they needed to use him as a tool to try to escape from the Time War, and that's a retcon. But he was retconning his own script, so I'm going to give right. it to Russell. That's right. fine. But again, like he's not evil he's a pitiable figure who can't and even at the end when he's dying and David Tennant's sort of asking him to regenerate and he says tough I'm I'm not gonna do it it's like he's a sad figure who kind of longs for death because he's been driven mad by the the, by the pounding of the drums okay so that's his take on it um with Missy Stephen Moffat was like well she's mischievous but even then, his take is sort of like she's trying to impress her boyfriend, right? The idea here right. is, is uh, you know, and it's in dialogue in in the two years ago season, right? Is she just wants to get his attention. Like, mm-hmm. that? that's the take on what Missy's really up to. And then this season, um, we've gotten to the, and maybe she just wants to change. These are all, I think, interesting modern takes on the master. This is a very long way of me saying... I kind of wonder if it wouldn't be a better status quo from the series if the master, the deal with the master was there's another Time Lord out there trying to do good, but they don't do it in the right way. And that right. causes great friction with the Doctor. Like, I love the idea that the Doctor's nemesis is not a bad person who's trying to wreck things in the universe for whatever reason, but that it's a person who is of a different morality than the Doctor, but still trying to do what they consider to be good. Like in that moment where where Missy says, you should just kill Bill, and then this whole problem with the monks is solved. And the Doctor's like, I'm not going to do that. But she's like, all right, well, whatever. But that would be the master solution is... If I kill this person, then everything's fine. Cool, I'll kill them. And that's it. I'd love that to be, going forward, a master status quo, because I think that would be like really interesting that the master is not trying to do evil. The master just doesn't do it right, according to the doctor. And they have philosophical disagreements about the right way forward. I think that's kind of interesting.
1: Right. I, I do, too. I When when they first started with Missy, I was not a fan. I I mean, I liked her, and I liked before we knew it was the the master the mysterious Uh, uh, bubbly mary poppins lady yeah yeah i was kind of okay with that and then they kind of they kept going and i went oh oh i really don't like this i really don't like this and then i liked her more in the last series and i really like her in this series this is so much more interesting. And I think, I I think I'm retroactively liking her more as a result because that's kind of an interesting arc. And, and the thought that he was Derek Jacoby before and, and now he turns into John Simmons and is full on crazy and has turned into her. Uh, that is an interesting, just, just that sort of arc for that character. Um, I would love to see more of that. I remember when quantum leap, uh to to sort of juice things up evil leaper Leaper, and oh my god those were so awful because it was just you know oh we're gonna be bad it's like but but that's but why what's the motivation for them doing what they're doing yeah oh i hated
0: those right and i and i liked that show so so that's you, you turn the master like modern television it's like why is the master doing what he or she is doing why is that happening and and so yeah i would go i mean missy in the davros episode last year the season opener was again kind of put in that kind of like undoctor role and i feel like that is what russell t davis and stephen moffat have kind of happened upon it'll be interesting to see if this does if the status quo does kind of continue or at least be open to continuing if chris chibnall will have a different take on it or not or if it'll let the character rest who knows but the idea that um rather than it being what is this is the doctor's opposite the instead it's what if the doctor was not quite Right, or you know the doctor, but darker or or with a somewhat different morality that it's just like this is what time lords do, and we know the doctor, and we think he's great he's got his issues, but you should see the other one um, right and, and, and i'm much more fascinated by by a a time Lord traveling around the universe trying to. Um, get involved in making things better in a messed up way than I am a Time Lord who's traveling around just trying to, I don't know, quarter the market on gold or to take over the universe <laughs> or to destroy the universe right that's like why or would just you saying, do that hi doctor or, hi. or just being a craze. well the craze fan idea at least is kind of fun like I'm just here to mess with you that's my whole yeah. my whole goal I don't know so so this is my long way very long way of saying I continue to be fascinated by the Missy stuff because I think it's way more interesting than anything that I've ever seen the master do and yes. I hope it continues oh, yes. and is not shut off whatever they do to resolve the storyline I hope that there are threads that are spun out there because uh, I would much rather see a, a master exist in this universe with this kind of complexity um, than the more like I just need a foil to bring back to to menace the doctor because that's not I don't think it's as interesting
1: right yeah I mean the, some of the most interesting episodes bear with me of the Dukes of Hazzard were the ones <laughs> where where the Duke boys and Boss Hog had to team up against something else right right that was that was a little interesting.
0: Well, and that, I that mean, the dynamic where you got a good but. guy and a bad guy and they fight, right? Okay classic got it yeah, right. yeah but if you imagine so and i'm not saying this is going to happen next time because there's the john sim thing that's going to intervene but like imagine if next the next two episodes are the doctor and bill and they're trapped on this weird spaceship that's in relativistic mode where where time is is moving very slowly at one end and and very fast at the other end and it's this complicated messy situation and there's a lot of peril and so there's traditionally, there'd be like, and there's Cybermen. So it's good guys and bad guys, except there's also Missy. And Missy is also trying to help, but has very different ideas. So now in, you've got this internal conflict, as well as the external conflict. And right. that's, I I, I I think that's, that's really, yeah, right? I mean, that's that's different geometry for storytelling. And Michelle Gomez is so great. That's oh, like, let her, let her do it. this, that, that last four minutes. I mean, she's so good i think the with the tears and then peter capaldi w- with her i mean he's always good but he's like he he fe- you could say oh, they were the, on another level you could sense the empathy and also the distrust and that's yeah. you know that's 40 years of doctor who television distrust of the master built <laughs> in there um yeah so that that more i like this episode i've liked this season i've loved the missy stuff which is the opposite of what I said two years ago, right? Where it was just like, a right. oh, obligatory Missy scene where she says that you're in heaven. Um, not like that at all this time. So, yeah. pretty awesome. I hope they continue. I like this historical revisionism of the master. Um, <laughs> I hope the master as a character ends up in a, a, a better, more interesting place when it's all said and done.
1: And, I mean, it's kind of funny to me when I think back, if I if I try to, you know line up all of the stories and all of the details, even just within this version of the series. And sometimes it bugs me when it forgets anything or re- just totally revises something, uh, or like the, the, what the, time of the doctor day of the doctor night of the doctor whatever where it felt like three totally different writers who never communicated but they were all written by moffat <laughs> you know that kind of thing drives me nuts and then there are times like this where i'm glad that i can just forget the other missy story with cyberman i can forget the other missy stuff and i can enjoy this this season's arc with her because it's right really good i agree all and, right and and yep. i'm i'm still shocked that i like nardole I like him more and more each week. Yeah. Because uh, I am not a Matt Lucas fan in general, and when when they said, "Oh, he's going to be joining the series," and I was like, "No, oh, oh no," but I kind even and even with the Vestal Virgin thing tonight, I kind of want more Nardole. I want. I, I like that double act. I I think we've missed having a double act like that.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fun dynamic. I'm glad Stephen Moffat yeah. got a chance to explore it. I I like. Uh, Not only the two companion thing, but one of the companions being uh, a bit more of a uh, a foil for the doctor, uh, calling him on his on his uh, bad behavior from time to time, but also, um, you know, also sometimes conspiring with him. I, I, and then you've got your sort of more traditional Doctor Who companion in Bill. So uh, it's been a fun dynamic. I think he's been used pretty well when they've used him. And th- then there have been other times where they've gotten him out of the way because they they didn't want to use him, which, right. you know, is fine. And it's fine. It's fine. Last the, the Mark Gatiss story last week felt like it was just written before they decided Nardole would be in the series, so they wrote him out. Uh, right. And I just watched Kinda from the Peter Davison era the other day. And it's the same thing where that script was written before they had three companions. So um, <laughs> Nyssa is like ill in the TARDIS and appears in the last scene and goes, oh, I feel better now. And is not otherwise <laughs> present in the story. And it's it, it felt a little bit like that last week with Nardole. that It's just like, we need to get him out of here. But uh, when he's been present, he's been uh, a lot of fun. And I'll miss this whole era. That's the thing that's the really tragic thing is knowing that it's ending. that Moffat is going yeah. that that Peter Capaldi is going it means that Pearl Mackey's is probably going too. that. Uh, it'll be sad that we only got the, this configuration for one year and then everything's going to change. It's I don't mind the change, but I'm a little sad that that uh, after this year that this is we're only going to get like that first season with Christopher Eccleston. It's like this is the only one of these that we're going to get. And then and then right. everything is going to change
1: right i just want more capaldi
0: i know i really do me too me too i'm gonna miss him the most
1: yeah he's he's the only one that i have two funko pops of on my shelf it's the funko pop equation it's the most important thing how many and and i love a lot of doctors Mm. but
0: yeah he's been great yeah all right well david it has been a pleasure i'm glad you could join me to eat some light glad i i could oblige Yep. And uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week. where It's uh, finale time. So part one of the two-part series uh, finale next time. But until then, thanks for listening. Goodbye.
1: On the incomparable.